Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Please stay tuned to the end of the show for another completely useless and pointless message from our show's producer. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from my recording studio built here at my office for possibly the last time. Yeah, the last time in this recording studio built here at my office in Concord, North Carolina. It's going to be a fun show tonight because in Pipe Parts, I'm going to turn it over a little bit to Steve Fallon, the pipe stud. I'm going to talk about his article, The Mysteries of Latakia, that was written and put out on the NASPC's newsletter. My guest tonight is an actual medical doctor, Dr. Bob Keys, also pipe maker, Dr. Bob. So we'll have him on. Uh, music, going to have a little fun tonight. Found another uh, composer, uh, musician named David Rose. And Mailbag, got a special article in the Mailbag and got a uh, really fun political rant coming up at the end of the show. All that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, before we get started, let me say two things. Uh, one, yeah, I sounded a little uh, softer last week. Well... That's what you get from, oh, three solid days straight of pipe smoking, one day of pipe smoking in a sales meeting with about 10 or 12 other people, and then driving an air conditioning, you get a softer voice. And finally, as of last Sunday, let me say, next year, Jimmy Johnson, sorry, you didn't make it into the chase. Ha ha, ha ha ha. Now you get to watch everybody else go for it. Uh, NASCAR is winding down, a couple more races to go, so then I'll uh, be free to do projects on the weekend, which uh, there's plenty of them at home. All right, everybody, enough rambling. We'll get the show going here, so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit Fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. Hey, people, it's your old pal, Jack. Now, you're listening to the Pipes Radio Show. What's it about? The answer is I don't have the first damn clue, but mostly I'm guessing it's a tobacco show about pipe smoking. So why don't you jam that in your pipe and light it up? Welcome back. In uh, just a few minutes, Dr. Bob will be on the phone with me. Right now, let's talk about the mysteries of Latakia as written by Steve Fallon, the one and only pipe stud. 
and I'll insert my comments as we go through it. So here's what Steve wrote in the latest edition of the NASPC's Pipe Collector, which if you're not a member of the NASPC, you're missing out on some good stuff in just getting the six issues of the Pipe Collector's worth it. Uh, Steve writes, No tobacco has been more beguiling to collectors of aged tobacco blends than those loaded up with either generous, moderate, or light amounts of Latakia. The change in presentation of both Syrian and Cyprian versions is never as dramatic as that of a good Virginia or even spicy Orientals. Yet, whatever it is that aging does to Latakia, collectors love it. That is obvious to me due to the fact that aged tins with Latakia seem to sell better than anything else presented. Latakia is the result of a process whereby the leaves are cured over controlled fires of aromatic woods and fragrant herbs. Latakia is mainly grown in Cyprus and northern Syria, and I'll uh, interject, uh, not in northern Syria now or has been for a while and may not ever again until they get things straightened out. Uh, Then he goes on to write, after the leaves are harvested and dried, they are hung in tightly closed barns and smoke cured. Small smoldering fires of oak and pine fill the barn with smoke and cover the leaves with smoke particles. According to various accounts, Latakia was was actually accidentally created. Peasants in Syria had harvested a superb crop of tobacco, and since their storage space was limited, they needed to store the overflow in the rafters of their modest cottages. The tobacco farmers had no modern heat sources, so they would cut wood in the surrounding areas of where they lived to warm their homes and cook their meals. After one particularly cold winter, one of the tobacco farmers went up into his rafters and took a wad of the now smoke-cured tobacco to load his pipe. He discovered that after a long winter of absorbing the wood smoke from from his fires in the cottage, the smoke presented a very unique, and I'll say this, uh, Steve, very and unique, no, it's either unique or it isn't, a uh, unique flavoring and taste to the tobacco. It produced a very heavy taste with an aroma that has a darkly smoky presentation. He rushed out to tell all of his fellow tobacco farmers what he had discovered and encouraged them to fill their pipes with his rafter-cured Latakia, and the rest, as they say, is history. So now both Cyprian and Syrian Latakia are ingredients in traditional English mixtures. Sometimes only a tiny bit of leaf is needed to round out a blend, while other times more is better. I even know of one smoking friend of mine who puffs on nothing but 100% Cyprian Latakia. That friend of his must be crazy. I won't sip on any of it. And he goes on to say, I was recently conversing with several well-known pipe and tobacco collectors regarding just how well Latakia ages. Most of them say that Latakia ages beautifully and becomes more mellow and refined as it ferments in the tin. And there are some collectors out there who say Latakia does not age a great deal and actually becomes flat after a period of 10 years or so. In fact, this information has recently been spread all over the internet on pipe forums and elsewhere. I think our hobby has always had a herd mentality. If one person of note in our small hobby says something as fact, minions decide it must be true. But those of you who regularly check out my site know that Latakia base blends are getting incredible prices, and below are current prices that I'm regularly getting on my website for old classic blends with Latakia in them. Uh, 300, he writes down a couple of them, writes down a bunch here, I'll give you a couple of them. $375 to $400 for Balkan Sobrani 759 and 50 gram tins. Uh, Sullivan Powell Gentleman's Mixture in 50 gram tins, 150 to 175 And they're just some outrageous prices. Uh, he goes on to say that sure is a lot of money being shelled out for decades old Latakia based blends, but of course... You also have to take into consideration that all of the above are no longer produced and that adds to the collectability. From my own personal experience, I have noticed that the depth of Virginia Oriental flavors actually deepen and can become quite heavenly after 10 to 20 or more years of aging. Latakia will mellow out and produce a more subdued flavor after 10 to 20 years in the tin. 
Maybe that is why I absolutely love the old Balkan Sobrani 759 so much. The years of aging have brought my favorite Virginia Oriental flavors to the forefront, and the Latakia taste, which I still crave in that blend, may have become more subdued and not as overwhelming to my palate. But please remember the last time I smoked fresh Balkan Sobrani was in the early 1980s, so there's no way I would truly remember whether the Latakia flavor faded or not over the years. I also love the 1990s McConnell's version of Rattray's Three Noggins and Black Mallory much better than the original Perth Scotland stuff. I think the Perth renditions of those two fall way short of the Latakia flavor I get from the newer tins. Is that because the Latakia leaf has broken down, or is that because McConnell's had a heavier hand in portioning out the Latakia? I just don't know. And then again, with everyone's taste buds being different, that has to play a big part in this comparison thing too. I guess in summation, too many well-known and respected collectors are buying up old Latakia base blends and spending quite a bit of money on them for me to think the Latakia flavor has dulled. My high-grade tobacco customers spend a lot more money on old Latakia base blends than famous old Virginia base blends of the same vintage. The exception may be the original Bell's Three Nuns. So according to the marketplace that I cater to, whatever aging does to quality Latakia, it must be good. He signs it happy puffing to all. And the only reason I bring all this up is because Rick Newcomb and I were talking a couple of weeks ago at the Richmond show, and he said that one of the new phenomenons in the last 10 to 15 years is a bent pipe, a a pipe cleaner, must pass all the way through. That's a relatively new phenomenon. Only in the last 10 or 15 years has that been an issue. So I wonder if that's something that one person said that everybody followed. Uh, The other thing that I'll point out is that even in my Escudo tasting that we did a couple months back, or six months ago? How long ago was that? Yeah, even on that, I noticed that I liked a version that was not as aged as some people would say they love. I like the punch of the Perique. So maybe those uh, Lat- maybe some of those Latakia blends are smoothing out too much for people, just like some of my Perique blends smooth out too much for me. All right, there's uh, Steve's opinion, which he is the leading expert on, and there's my opinion, which, of course, I am always the leading expert on my own opinion. And in just a few minutes, we'll have Dr. Bob on the phone, and we'll get some of his opinions. So stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Internet Radio. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Barron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me on the telephone is the other doctor of pipes, not Dr. Grabo, but Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob Keys of Vermont, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Now, for everybody that is wondering, you are a actual MD, medical doctor, professional that helps heal people, correct? Yes. Oh. I am a... a- mangled doctor i mean an md 
that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so where did you grow up? I have not yet. I'm working <laughs> on that part. Now, I, um, I'm a Pennsylvania guy. I grew up in central Pennsylvania in a town called Williamsport, yeah. which people know by the uh, Little League World Series. Once a year, we know where you are. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people um, read a publication called The Grit, G-R-I-T, and it's circulated throughout the world, and uh, it's, it was always published there. So a lot of people just had heard of Williamsport through that publication. So what, what came first, your love of the pipe or your interest in going to medical school? It was diff definitely the medical school, yeah. And where did you go to medical school? I went to uh, College Physicians and Surgeons of Columbia University, New York City. PNS, as we called it. And so that's like a that's like a really big school and everything. Yeah, it was. You know, being an old uh, country guy like like I was growing up, it was a <clears throat> it was a pleasure. A pleasure and a privilege to go there but uh, most you know that's one of those institutions where most of the guys go there will go into internal medicine or surgery or one of the specialties but a handful of us uh, you know just stayed in general medicine so it was it's good school a lot of it was a good place so your specialty was just general medicine you'd be like the family doctor yes exactly and when I when I came out, they had just developed the uh, uh, a board-certified uh, thing called family medicine, and you had to pass an exam, which was you know a two-day exam, just in the all about general medicine, and that included adults and pediatrics. So that was fun. They had a there's a three-year residency to go through that. So the worst thing you ever saw was the flu or a headache or a splinter, right? No, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, no, you never worked in an emergency room full of disgusting things, or yes, I certainly did. As a as a medical intern, or uh, when I got in practice, uh, sometimes I did some emergency room time. Uh, but you know, I could get called there from my own patients who might have something pretty ordinary. But as an emergency or something pretty gross, which we don't want to talk about tonight. All right, can we talk about some of the funniest things you've seen? <laughs> oh, funny things. Um, well, I, I one thing comes to mind. It's I wouldn't call it funny. It was weird when I was an intern up in Cooperstown at the at Bassett Hospital. Uh, we we got called to the ER, and we were down there, and this gentleman. Uh, was lying on the gurney, and he had this piece of of uh, aluminum protruding from his nose, and uh, was in it. He was in a car wreck, and some piece of the uh, I don't know some aluminum part got jammed up. And on an X-ray, the thing was just about to touch his brain, so it was really quite weird and uh, very unusual. He was not he was not a happy camper. No, I, I would say he want, he probably wanted to sneeze really bad. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we uh, he had to go to surgery and had that thing yanked out. Okay, Al, I'm glad you didn't tell us the disgusting things. <laughs> All right, let's skip on to the pipes here. When did you start smoking a pipe? Well, I actually started medical school. Um, I I kind of remembered my... My granddad had this pipe in a drawer in his in his desk up in uh, you know up in his room, and I'd sneak that thing out once in a while and put some velvet or whatever he had, you know, lying around, and uh, I would sneak a smoke. And it was always kind of interesting uh, flavor, but it was more for curiosity. And then uh, a friend of mine in college was uh, a pre-med, and he smoked a pipe, and it kind of got me into it. And um, so I just started to enjoy it that, uh, very much at that time. And so I started in college. And when I went to medical school, we, uh, we all had a pipe, a tobacco pouch in our white coat pocket and a, and a pipe in there. And then in the other, other side, we had a stethoscope. <laughs> and 
wandering around the hospital. Often many of the uh, attending docs or the professors were uh, smoking a pipe, and we smoked in the lecture rooms. And um, The only place we didn't smoke really was at the bedside. So it was very accepted and... Uh, you know, it's just it was just very prevalent. So, but then uh, those were the days when we had our head screwed on correctly, and as you all know, as we all know, it went down the tubes. Yeah, some, slowly but surely. Some doctor in like 1964 kind of uh, put the kibosh on all that for us. Yeah, exactly. I I heard that that was uh, started by a single person out in California, and it just spread east and went across the ocean and. It was not good. I, I, my wife and I went over to Ireland to visit my son, and I was so excited about going over there and smoking in the pubs and so forth. And one week before we left, the nation of Ireland banned smoking in all public facilities. So <clears throat> we got over there. The, the only smell was the smell of peat that was burning in the fireplaces. Oh. So it was really disappointing. So do you remember the first pipe that you bought? I really don't. You know, a lot of guys do uh, do remember that. I remember just going up from medical school up to a, a pipe store a couple blocks up in Manhattan. I picked up several uh, different style of pipes. One of them was an Italian. I, I can't even remember the names. But I ended up just buying three or four um, and uh, just smoking, a, just trying all kinds of stuff because I didn't know much about uh, pipe tobacco then. And I'm sure you just tried whatever tobacco was recommended to you. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of, I always remember that first pack, you know, those little square tins that had, uh, I don't even know what the company put them out, but they had a sample of all kinds from aromatic to, you know, to strong tobacco, and I just remember some of them was awful. Then I discovered sale, yellow, in the yellow pouch, and I ended up smoking that. That was my major tobacco th- through medical school and even after that for a while. So you found a European-made aromatic, light aromatic tobacco that you fell in love with. Yeah, it was, yeah, I did. It's very nice. All right, so you're in medical school, you graduate, you're still you're smoking a pipe all along and uh, having fun playing with pipes and do you get more into it as you as you get older and get more money <laughs> well the term more money is pretty relative but uh i actually just stopped for a couple of years and then decided to uh take it up again and then i i, I discovered pipes and tobacco magazine and i was looking at uh pipes in there and I saw the PMO kit and that's how I got started in uh, making pipes um, but before that I did I had you know I just bought a I don't even remember the brands but oh one of them was a Peterson and you know a Brebby and that kind of thing uh, uh, before I started making pipes so I just got back into it that way and began to uh, you know hear about good tobacco so you so you kind of took some time off, goofed around for a while, and then found pipes again and got into it because you were really interested in making one instead of really smoking them. Yeah, it, it just sort of happened together because I, I started up and then, uh, like I said, that magazine, I looked at that. I always liked to fool with my hands, you know, and make things when I was growing up. I made lots of models and all those kind of things, and uh, I thought, wow, that'd be cool to make one. So I set off and and got a, a kit from Al Albert, and and off I made, which I still have. I won't show it to too many people because it's so incredibly ugly. <laughs> uh, it certainly I would qualify for a Halloween pipe, you know. You want to scare somebody. Now, if you like to fool with your hands, did you make like some decorative? scar patterns when you were stitching people up from stuff or <laughs> no i i just uh concentrated on getting it back so it looked pretty again oh okay <laughs> <laughs> when did you you live in vermont now when did you move up there we moved up here in 05 and because you wanted to get closer to maple syrup or absolutely i did and uh 
uh, I'm a kind of strange because I grew up, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I hunted and fished a lot, and so we got out in, in cool weather in the fall, and then we hunted in snow, and then I really enjoyed playing around in snow. It was just part of our our family, and everybody up there, uh, you know, went out and played. We sled and ice skated on the on the creeks and stuff like that, <clears throat> and so I actually ended up from. Uh, Oklahoma to Massachusetts and then got I was sort of frustrated there because it rained more than snowed and um, my son-in-law then obviously married my daughter in college and he's from here they moved up here we came to visit and began to look at it and said hey this would be a great place to retire and my wife uh, uh, we were sitting in a restaurant and she saw this realty sign and she said, well, you know, do you ever think of practicing? And so that went on like a light bulb. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. I could come up here and practice, live in this country, and then and then retire here someday. So that's how we got up here. So the real answer is, I'm going to guess, grandchildren brought you up there. Well, my, my kids, my daughter, you know, more than that. Because they didn't, well, they were just starting to have kids at that time. But... Uh, yeah, it was, it was really more the country, uh, you know, the beauty of Vermont. And I love mountains and and uh, love winter stuff. And so that, that was the prime reason. But uh, but then, yeah, grandkids started to come along, and that, that was very extra special. <laughs> We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about pipes and pipe making. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Dr. Bob. And first of all, let's let's talk about your, your name change. Because if I recall correctly, the original name of your pipes were Keys Pipes, your last yeah. name. And then you made the change to Dr. Bob's Pipes. Correct. And tell us all the reason why. Well, uh... Uh, I'll start back. I, I was using, I was thinking of using Doctor at one time, and a couple of guys in a pipe club I was going to, they said, you know, well, maybe uh, people start thinking of, you know, associating that with the name of another pipe, and uh, and the, so I thought, well, maybe that's true, and why not just keep it personal? But then, uh, as as time went by, and the uh, uh, the anti-smoking nonsense that started, uh, you know, I looked at that. I looked at some of the, the research um, and, you know, agreed with so many people that that uh, secondhand smoke was just basically nonsense, except, to, you know, and I, if there's a lot of cigarette smoking in closed rooms in a house, yeah, it may affect your kids and so forth, but, you know, not in restaurants and all that. And it really was very annoying and and I hated the uh, the the um, 
the bastardizing of, of uh, the research, you know, and just twisting it and so forth. And so I just got the, you know, somebody said to me, you know, you just ought to use the doctor name. I think it would work. And I got to thinking about it. And so yeah, I I changed it back just, just to identify with me, but even more so just to kind of fight the crusaders and, you know, put my name out there. Here's Dr. Bob Pipes, but it's also a doc, a doctor who smokes. And I, I tell a lot of people that when I'm at a pipe show, they'll say, are you a real doctor? And then my, my response is yes, and I smoke, you know. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, I'll check your prostate right here. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I offer that, but, you know, buy a pipe and you get a free exam, but nobody's taken me up on that. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why. I haven't uh, figured that out yet. Yeah, so let's talk <laughs> yeah. about those pipes anyway. Um, yes. <laughs> no, the, the, the tobacco pipes. Uh, so you started you started with the one with the one pipe kit, and then you got the bug and started working on it. And how did this was pre-internet? So how did you learn and practice and get good? That's a great question, and you know I, I I envy some of the young guys who basically have just learned everything. They had a little skill and they just learned it and watched videos. But I I don't learn very well that way. So I um, uh, I uh, after I was talking to Jenny Bear one day from the Pimo people, and she said, you know, you ought to come up here and take Al's course. It would really help you because I was asking her all kinds of questions. And so I went up and had this delightful two days um, up in Manchester Center with Al Bear and his wife Jenny and took that course for two days. Then I belonged to the uh, Sherlock Holmes Pipe Club in Boston. And uh, I started to make pipes, and the guys also said, you know, you might think about Jimmy Boswell, because Jim was a friend of that club, and <clears throat> they knew him and the quality of pipes that he made. So I did a... Uh, a couple of days of apprentice work with him and uh, went back another time and sort of finished up some more stuff. So he taught me an incredible amount of uh, stuff and, um, you know, how to just how to make quality pipes and and kind of um, the how to do it efficiently because his shop is just incredibly set up. So that that's how I that's really how I got all my training. And then after that, it was just a matter of tweaking here and there and visiting some of the other pipe guys and learning a lot at the shows. And, you know, what I love about American pipe carvers is they, uh, they, they, they're really free with their information. And so we, we all do that with each other. And, and, you know, it's just so every time I go to a show, I kind of learn something new. So it's been, it's been a great journey. So when you're at a pipe show, do you spend as much time looking at other people's pipes as you do trying to sell your own yeah i do um you know you, you you need to be there because it's fun to answer questions and and uh, we're grateful for the younger people that are starting to smoke more and so they come by and they have a lot of questions but i do i <clears throat> i go look at uh, the great pipe makers in the world and look at their pipes and then uh some of some of my friends who make pipes uh go look at theirs and yeah it's a good really good way uh, to learn more, and you just look and get some shape ideas and maybe some finish ideas that way. Was there one part of pipe making or a shape in a shape of a pipe that was really hard for you to get perfect or get to the point where you were happy with it? Yeah, um, probably the the billiard was one of the hardest, but I I really loved the. Uh, the uh, donkey nut, uh, I mean the hawkbill, <laughs> and uh, I love that shape, and that that has been a real, real uh, challenge. And then recently, uh, squat bulldogs that kind of look like the uh, the old Dunhill bulldogs, and <clears throat> that's been that's been a real challenge. But I, I think the uh, the hawkbill, without a doubt, and again, at some shows, uh, some of the guys that collect them, uh, you know, just give good pointers about how the how the uh, shank should look and how it should taper down and you know all that stuff so it's a it's a great place to learn stuff what was it like trying to learn how to work with bamboo difficult um 
And I've made several, and, you know, just finding a, a straight piece and then putting um, a lot of guys have put aluminum or, or metal uh, through there just to stabilize it. So before it's, but I, I like to use Delrin. <clears throat> so I put it on, you know, the Delrin on both ends and uh, where, it, where it inserts into the, uh, uh, the shank. And then, of course, for the mouthpiece or the bit. And then you leave the center of it natural or uh, uncoated? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I do. I just, so many guys do it that way. And, you know, I have had no problems with it. So, you know, it's, it's funny when you talk to some people, there's only one way to do it. The only one, you know, the only one way. And then you talk to other guys and, ah, that's, you know, a bunch of nonsense. And, uh, you know, they just have found uh, that what they do works. And so I, that that's what I, I do. Is there a style that you would consider your pipes more in? Are they more in the, the Italian or the English and... But yet, looking through your website, I can see some Danish influence too. So, yeah, just <clears throat> just a little bit. Um, without a doubt, I, I'm just a uh, classic shape guy. You know, the billiard apple, bent, <clears throat> straight, uh, and then some variations on that. Some of the, you know, for example, a billiard. I like to uh, uh, flare the uh, shank a little bit upward. Just put a little angle in it. And it just sets it off uh, much nicer, and maybe adding some uh, some kind of uh, extender material just to enhance uh, the pipe, make it prettier, so to speak, more interesting looking. And uh, you know, I've had people just say that I've nailed the hawkbill shape, and so that's that's kind of been a, a standard uh, for me. And also in, in rustication. Uh, I've really enjoyed that. I just developed a, a technique of rustication that a lot of people seem to like, and <clears throat> I like it too. I like the feel of that. And the other thing I was going to talk about was mm. you've just come out with the new Rustic Pipe series, which starts out at about $280 mm. for a handmade pipe? Correct. Yeah, that um, that I, I get an in, inspiration about that. Just I thought I, I, I like using colored bits, and sometimes it's uh, acrylic, which is a little bit harder to work with. But I, I, you know, it's fine for me. I don't mind. And I like the color. But when you have a beautiful uh, grained pipe that's smooth, and a classic shape, it doesn't quite look good to have uh, you know a, a, a candy cane uh, <laughs> bit on there. And so I, I wanted to do that more because I just thought they were pretty. And then I thought, hmm. I like the idea of a smaller pipe also because it seems like there's a lot of people smoking smaller pipes. And then since I've had such good feedback on the rustication, <clears throat> that's what I decided, make it a standard shape and always rusticated, always small, and uh, always with a colored bit. Not not necessarily a, a bit that was, uh, you know, kind of outlandish, but just, just attractive. So that, that's how that series came about yeah, i was i was gonna say for you know for an old country doctor um you're not afraid no, no, to use Washington. color i i a a almost retired country doctor <laughs> i'm glad you got rid of the old yeah uh, <laughs> i am i am you're not afraid to use yeah. to use color in your pipes and uh, mix it up a little bit yeah exactly i i uh i'm going to well this this uh, past year, I I got some color in a bowl, but I you know I love to do Christmas series, and and there you try to get red and green somehow, and so there's some there's some beautiful uh, stuff that looks like candy cane. I made some bits out of, and I've seen guys you know use some uh, green uh, bowls or even the red bowls. And they're quite pretty. So I, I'm so classic though. I I, I tend to stick with uh, you know the light brown, medium brown, dark brown, or black. Uh, but it's just fun, it's fun to to do something different. I remember once I was talking to Lee Lee uh, Irk, and uh, <clears throat> he said, "Just try it. Just try it. Just try something." He said, "You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna. Uh, nothing's lost. Just try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work." So that was uh, it was kind of an inspiration to just do do something different. 
You want to talk yeah. about it? You want to talk about an old guy? Lee is old. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's uh, but he's young at heart. He's <laughs> he's, a, he's a young at heart guy and a lot of fun to be around. Uh, if you want to see any of Doctor Bob's pipes, the website is uh, drbobpipes.com. So it's drbobpipes.com. A whole bunch of pipe pictures, a gallery, news, uh, pipe shows that you might go to are. Uh, I have always gone to Chicago, and this year I. I started to go to Kansas City, which I will always go to. I think it's a fabulous show. Great guys up there. Just a lot of fun. Uh, Columbus, which I didn't make this year, but I really like the Columbus show. And the former Richmond show, which unfortunately we don't have, and then Vegas. I did get to uh, St. Louis. Uh, that's also another really good show. <clears throat> but the main ones are the the three or four. As long as it doesn't interfere with your... Uh outdoor winter activities <laughs> well you know what may happen is the outdoor winter stuff may interfere with flying and that's what can happen so we have to watch that a little bit one of the problems with the st louis show is in february and we can be all ready to go and not get out of here and it's a long drive and you can be all ready to go and not be able to get into st louis yeah there you go they that that can happen because the, the state motto of Vermont is you can't get there from here. <laughs> or you may not want to get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is the doctor's favorite pipe? Oh, favorite pipe? My own. And what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, I, I will add, uh, I love Sheraton's, so I collect those, but that, that's there. Uh, I like most of the Dunhills, uh, you know, just almost any of those I really like. I like the new uh, Crown Achievement that's out and, uh, and the uh, Balkan Sobrani, the new stuff. And what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink, as in water, or, or well, whatever you say. <laughs> I love scotch. Yeah, I like single malt scotch and well-crafted beer. And Vermont's a great place for that. It is. We have some some of the best up here, and some of the best home brewer. No, never mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? can be any of that it's it's uh, often a book or uh, just watching something uh, one of the sh uh, series or a good movie with my wife I really enjoy that love watching the uh, the old Sherlock Holmes stuff that's really really a lot of fun and reading Sherlock Holmes the, that whole series is fun <clears throat> and last question do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't covered yet I would say it would be multiple times when I was uh, lived in Massachusetts and went to the Sherlock Holmes Pipe Club. Uh, we just had <clears throat> some absolutely fabulous evenings uh, sharing our pipes and tobacco and uh, a lot of nonsense, you know. But th those were uh, the most memorable times. So to learn more about Dr. Bob's Pipes, go to his website and... Uh check them out or run into uh as i do frequently run into dr bob at a pipe show and you might get a <clears throat> free gift with your purchase there you go which we won't review but i'll be glad to review it when we get there yeah the pipe shows uh if people aren't going they gotta go they're just absolutely wonderful great place you know what i <clears throat> i love it's always great to sell pipes but i love the camaraderie there and just meeting all kinds of people, it's that, that's what makes them. It's the guys and the ladies. Yeah, where else can a guy like me hang out with a doctor that makes <laughs> pipes? And there's other doctors running around there that collect pipes, too. Yeah, exactly. I there mean, are. I mean, like real doctors and everything. There are, yeah, like George the chest surgeon. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Dr. Bob, thank you very much. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sudliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back, and there you go. Could you imagine what the really gross stories would have been? <laughs> That's the reason I'm not a doctor, nor will I ever be a doctor. However, tried playing doctor a couple of times. Um, anyway, for music, I found another pipe-smoking composer, musician. His name is David Rose, and he must be Jewish because he's buried in the identically same cemetery as my grandparents and great-grandparents in uh, Southern California. So uh, David Rose, fairly prolific composer, died about uh, 20 years ago, 10, uh, 15 years ago, it says here. Anyway, here's one of the uh, pieces that he composed, and it might sound familiar to you. All right, all right, we'll slide that down. That's not the song that I'm going to play for you, but that is actually a song called The Stripper, and it was composed by David Rose, the same composer that I was poking around and looking for some music on, and son of a gun, there it is, The Stripper. Hey, just perfect in time, two weeks till Vegas. Uh, no, the song that I'm going to play for you is composed by David Rose, and it's called Blues in the Night. Here it is.
Does that sound a little familiar to you? Uh, David Rose was highly prolific in the uh, TV and film industry in the 60s, 70s. By the uh, early 80s, he had retired and uh, smoked a pipe. Oh, my God! You've got mail. You bastard! In the mailbag, let's hit on the first thing. Yeah, there's an article bouncing around on uh, ABC News from October 15th that states pipe smoking rises from ashes to be hip. Well, it took ABC News to figure out what I've known for the past five years, that there is an upsurge in interest in pipes and pipe tobacco. And ABC News inters- interviews a couple of retailers and a uh, one of them that makes pipes, Rich Lewis, and uh, one member of the uh, trade association and they talk about how, and this is the line that I like most, uh, sales are heating up, however, thanks to a young, digitally wired crowd that no longer see pipes as an embarrassing anachronism. Well, what they go on to talk about is the hipsters and the young people that are coming in, and really what it is is uh, pipe smoking's getting interesting because we all like the good stuff. We're all getting interested in uh, micro-brews, specialized coffees, and we all would rather have a little bit of the good stuff than a whole lot of the mediocre stuff. That's my thoughts, my opinion. Check that out. Uh, You can find a link to it on the Pipes Magazine radio show's Facebook page, and I'm sure there's a link to it somewhere on pipesmagazine.com. So poke around there, read that article from ABC News. Yeah, news like they just figured it out. We've been seeing it for five, six years. Uh, On Facebook, Tony writes, I'm getting to the game late, but I'm enjoying the heck out of the podcast. Went on a road trip this weekend and put the whole family asleep. I'm only on 11 or 12, but I'm picking up steam. Keep up the good work. The hobby needs this show. Thanks for all you do, Tony. Thank you very much. Glad I could help uh, knock your family out for a while and give you some uh, peace and relaxation while you were driving uh regarding last week's show casey ghost writes the richmond pipe show report was very interesting as it may be turning out that may not be done there and that that they may not be done there and i think most pipers are wanting the story on this well we'll see if they are really thinking about moving to a venue that doesn't have a hotel immediately adjacent to it they're probably doomed wasn't too excited about the interview, not that it wasn't well done. Hard to get excited about listening to someone who I know nothing about go through his life story. Well, now you know something about him. Uh, not much context there. And why do ministers always say they got a call when all that happened was they accepted a job offer? Are they referring to a phone call? Uh He uh, writes, I like the Travis Tritt, but that song was a little weak. Well, I guess we missed the boat for Casey Ghost last week. Oh, well. Uh, John Seiler writes, okay, I was here last night. You and Kevin were not. Oh, well, so much for great expectations. I just had to wait 24 hours. A good summary of the core show. It seemed to be more of a buyer's market than a seller's market. Core organizers did their usually superb job of carrying off a fun show. By the way, as usual, it was nice seeing you again. I agree with Casey Ghost that a hotel adjoining a show venue is a must, as is easy access for handicapped people and vendor loading and unloading. I do not know Quincy. His path to pipes mirrors many of our own. I tend to agree that a pipe helps focus one's thoughts and enables the words to flow onto the paper. The Travis Tritt song was very nice, very lyrical, and interesting message. Rant, I'm even more of a lightweight than you. If you actually have a drink with me, you are honored. It is a rare occurrence. By the way, I did offer you to buy you a beer when it was free. And I had two of them, so thanks, John. Uh, Neil K. writes, I enjoyed the interview with the Presbyterian pipe-smoking pastor. I wonder if he's tried Presbyterian Blend, one of my favorites. It has been nice to hear from these different members of the clergy throughout the radio show's history. I think smoking is somewhat spiritual, and pipe smoking with all the accoutrements makes it a bit religious. All the pipe people I've dealt with share a kindness and goodwill. I liked the realness of Quincy. 
Often ministers put on a false piety in order to try to please the people and themselves. But God knows the truth. Society has demonized smoking. It's good to hear ministers who enjoy support and speak about the pipe hobby. Uh, I'm guessing Walmart had a run on the movie as dreamers do, since when you mention stuff it seems to increase sales. I bought a copy and enjoyed the movie. Good, wholesome movie. I was hoping to see Walt transition to a pipe, though. Uh, Brian, your voice seems smoother or something. Maybe some new audio equipment or adjustments. Love the show. Look forward to it every week. Uh, Glad you picked up a copy of the movie. I'll uh, let them know that uh, you enjoyed it. And the smoother was not smoother. It was sore and lubricated with uh, throat uh, lubrication, shall we say. Uh, Condor172 writes, Brian, once again, a great show. I love the interesting guests you guys always have on and that seem to fill our hobby. You mentioned the West Coast Pipe Show, and I've managed to get a few guys from my club, the Collective Draw Boise, Idaho, to attend this year. A few questions for you. Whatever came of your idea to have an after-hours meetup of listeners of the show Sunday night, I think you said. Let me answer that right now, because I'm glad you reminded me. How about 9 p.m. Sunday night at the base of the Eiffel Tower in front of the Paris Hotel Casino on the strip there's a little bistro and or there's a little uh, bar there that sells drinks and coffee and water and all kinds of uh, cocktails i guess well maybe it's just beer wine and uh, simple stuff out there but anyway it's a nice place to sit if the weather's good it's a great place to sit and watch people and every time i've been out there they've been absolutely smoking friendly so 9 p.m at the Paris Hotel, the foot of the Eiffel Tower. Anybody that comes out there, the first round's on me. So there, I'm a big spender. And uh, John Seiler, if you come out, I'll buy you a water or a juice. Uh, Then he goes on to write, Also, is there a list of vendors, pipe makers, that will be at the show? Sounds like a lot of ground to cover and was hoping to scope it out in advance. Looking forward to meeting you in person, Sean. Uh, Sean, check out the westcoastpipeshow.com and see if they have it up there, or you might be able to email them and ask if they've got a advanced list. I know I'll be there. Uh, looking forward to it. It's Las Vegas. How can you not look forward to it? All right, rant time coming up next. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com The most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. attention to a little tiny town in northern california called turlock t-u-r-l-o-c-k turlock california 
It's in the central California Valley, oh, about an hour south of Sacramento, maybe an hour and a half. Closest big city is Modesto, but anyway, population 70,000 people, and according to CBS News of Sacramento, well, here's what the uh, City Council of Turlock, California did. They spent months debating whether to ban smoking in public parks, and they did a lot of research. Uh, There was a a group of girls that complained about smoking in the parks, and apparently, according to this, and I'm going to paraphrase a whole bunch of it and skip through a bunch of the mumbo-jumbo, but the uh, city spent some time looking into it, spent some money doing a little bit of research on it, spent some time having some having some lawyers write up what could be a law to propose to them, and they spent months debating back and forth on how to word the law, and then went to vote on it, only to discover that the city council banned 10 years ago smoking in city parks. It had already been banned after they spent months debating on this. Months and months and months. Now... According to this article on from CBS News in Sacramento, how come no one working for the city knew about the existing laws, about the existing ban? Uh, Turlock spokesperson Marin Pitt said the simplest answer is that several different managers have come into the Parks and Recreation Department over the years. We've had a great deal of turnover of our managers when this policy, which was part of a comprehensive package, was proposed. They basically go on to say that they didn't get any complaints from anybody. They didn't have any problems with it. They quote a few uh, citizens of the area saying, yeah, they don't mind the smoking as long as it's not near the kids and people should be able to smoke outdoors. But gotta love a city council that spends a whole bunch of time, effort, and money only to discover that the law they're trying to pass is already on the books. (laughs) Way to go, Turlock, California. Hey, uh, Greg Pease. Turlock's not too far from you, maybe an hour and a half inland. Uh, Anyway, make sure and follow me on Facebook. Leave ratings or reviews of the show on iTunes and on Stitcher. We sure do appreciate that. And if you've got any comments, post them on uh, pipesmagazine.com. I do read them all. And remember, two and a half weeks. Hey, two and a half weeks until the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas. So I hope to see you all there. If you do come to the show, please stop by and find me somewhere and say hi. I like meeting everybody that listens to the show. All right, that'll do it for this week. So I'll say thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. About the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy If you only handhold so the stem won't have teeth marks, you might be a pot collector. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not an escalator. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. Celebrity voices are impersonated.